We are so excited that this latest message from Truth Movement Church can meet you where you are today. This message from TMC will help you to apply the truth of God's word to your everyday life. It's practical and powerful. Enjoy his word. finally starting our Giver series on today. Um, it has been long awaited, and it is time for us to get into it. Um, typically for us, not typically, what we do um, when we start a series specific for myself, when we start a new series, I'm just going to give you bits and pieces today to kind of set us up for where we're going. Um, I don't really, I do have one point today, um, but I want to make sure that I get this material into your hands so that your mind and, and your, your creative juices start flowing and that your spirit is ready to receive what God is going to say over the next three weeks. Is that okay? All right, let's put in um, <clears throat> a little work. So this series um, is a first of its kind for TMC. Um, out of all of the different series that we've gotten ourselves into over the past six years, um, this is the first of its kind um, in, in that we will be teaching on the topic of giving. Um, just to check the box, yes, we will be talking about tithe and offering and the importance of that and the value of that, but that is not what this series is about. Um, this series is um, not about a particular action. It is about developing a culture and living a lifestyle. Um, you can, and I'll put it like this, um, you can give which is a verb, um, and still not being, be a giver, which is a noun. Just because I said something nice doesn't mean that I'm a nice person. Right? Um, this series is about us growing to the point that giving becomes part of our spiritual DNA so that in every setting that God places us in, we will be a giver. Regardless of the situation, regardless of the circumstances, we will be, shout a giver. Um, when I think about myself, um, every day that I wake up, um, regardless of, of what I do or where I go, I will be a six foot five, 200 plus pound African American male. Regardless of where I go. Um, simply because um, it is written into my DNA. So even at times where it's not beneficial for me, for me to be a six foot five, 200 plus pound African-American male, regardless of where I go, I'm going to be the same guy no matter what because it's written into my, my, my DNA. Um, what's funny, yesterday Tina and I went to, um, <clears throat> to Disney uh, and we ran around like little kids. We walked fast like little kids. <laughs> you run. Um, but we walk fast like little kids to each ride. And uh, one of the rides that we got on was the Avatar Flight of Passage. And it's a, it was a really cool ride. And, and, and you, know, the, you know, you get on these, it's a simulation ride, you know. And you get on these things that are kind of like little bikes. And um, I got on the bike, and the bike was too small for me. And I got nervous. Because, you know, the little, you know, like when you get on a ride at, at, the, at the fair or something like that, you know, the, the, the safety harness comes down and locks you in. And it locks, well, my safety harness was hitting the leg and it went and locked down. So the lady comes up like, sir, do you need some help? I'm like, yeah, I need some help. Like, it's not working. 
So she forces the thing down on my legs, and I'm like freaking out. No, listen, y'all, I'm freaking out because my legs won't move. I couldn't feel my legs, and I'm saying to myself, I just, I, I just, I just gotta, I gotta focus on something else for the for the next ten minutes because this ride is not that long. And I, and, and for the first two minutes of the ride, I couldn't tell you what it did because I was so focused on my legs because of my DNA. I just didn't fit in that situation. There are times where I wish that I could be a little different. I wish that I was smaller than that. I wish I was six foot tall and like 185 pounds because I would have enjoyed every single moment of that ride. But because of my DNA, 6'5", 200 plus pounds, African-American male, I didn't fit in that situation necessarily because of my DNA. When it comes to giving, we want to make sure that giving is part of our spiritual DNA. And sometimes it may not be beneficial for me to be a giver. I can hate the fact that I'm going to give to you. I can hate it. But because I'm a giver, I got to do it. It's written into my spiritual DNA. That is the place that we want to get to. We want to get to a space where no matter where God places us, we are going to be a giver. Whether the situation is beneficial for me or it's beneficial for you or it's beneficial for somebody down the road, God has placed me here so that I can be a giver in every situation. Shout a giver. <laughs> this is just personal. It makes me mad that God put certain people in my life that make me give to them. Why, God, I got to give it to them? If you would have put somebody else there, who would appreciate it? I want y'all to get to, sometimes God just places you in certain situations just because you're a giver. He put you there because you're a giver. And I'm going to be the first to tell you, sometimes being a giver is not advantageous for you. But that's who we're going to be through this series, amen? All right, so we gotta, I got to give you a definition. Uh, second Peter's, excuse me, Second Corinthians 9 and 7, write that down. This is where our definition comes from, or our title word comes from out of this verse. Second Corinthians 9 and 7. <clears throat> I think I have the verse. You can put it up there. <clears throat> this is where, where Paul writes. Um, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful what? Yeah. Now. Write that down, but here is the definition of that word. It's the Greek word dotes. Now, look at this. I thought this was so good. That word right there that he uses for the word giver. Go ahead to the next slide. There he goes. It is a person who transfers, shout transfer, transfer. something, shout something, something, which is to be received without compensation, shout compensation. Let's do this again. A person who transfers something which is to be received without compensation. That messed me up. Once I looked at the definition of what God calls a giver, I had to ask myself, am I that? There's three words that I want you to pay attention to in this definition. I underlined them for you because I'm such a good pastor. Can you mute like seven or something like that? I hear a sound. <clears throat> I knew it had to be one of the musicians. They're 
let's deal with this first word, transfer. Shout transfer. A giver, listen to this now, a giver understands that any good or any value that they bring did not come from them. It belongs to God. And they are only positioned to facilitate a transfer. I'm going to say that again. A giver understands that any good, any value about them did not come from them, and it belongs to God, and they are positioned just to facilitate a transfer. Shout transfer. Transfer. Givers are like um, the Uber Eats for the kingdom of heaven. Devin, give me a hand. Can you get this this tape over here for me? DeAndre, come here. Stand over here for me. I like them sneakers, girl. Stand right there. Everybody shout transfer. So I'm going to let, let Devin, uh, he's going to play God. Yes? He's going to play God. Let's move a little, let's go a little back. A giver is like the Uber Eats of heaven. Um, it, is, it, is the, it is the job of an Uber Eats driver. Um, once they get um, the notification that somebody in their vicinity um, needs something, they get a notification on their phone, ding, and it tells them um, that Deandra wants something picked up from, let's say, let's, let's say, uh, let's say Starbucks. And it is, I got it, and it is, it is, it is my job as the Uber Eats driver to get this from the person who made it to the person who needs it. in the condition by which I received it. So when he calls me back again and ding, Deandra needs uh, McDonald's. I have to take it from the person who made it and I take full possession of it knowing that it's not mine. So that means that I won't stick my hand in the bag and get any of the fries. It means that the person that gives it to me, give it to, you can give it because you're playing God. God gives it to me. I'm going to make sure that I take full possession of it. It is in my possession. I can smell the aroma of these fries in my car as I drive them to Deandra. But it is only for me to be positioned to be a transfer of what was made over here. I shout transfer. It is, it, is, it, is, it is your job to be the transfer. He trusts me with it so that I can just transfer it. He keeps giving it to me so I can just transfer it. Shout transfer. Now, here's the next one. The next word is something. Shout transfers something. A giver understands that they are always in the position to give because all they need is... 
It may not be McDonald's this time. It may not be Starbucks this time. It just, I just need something. I mean, I, I can feel like I'm in a deficit or I can feel like I don't have it. But as long as I have, I can still give it. I can still be the transfer because it didn't start with me. It started with him. And all I'm doing is transfer it. So when he tells me to give and I'm saying, no, well, God, I don't have anything in my possession. Then I got to start looking within. And I feel like I hadn't been, I hadn't been receiving any love, but I could see. I could see DeAndre needs some love. So I don't have a I don't have a dozen. But I got one. Yeah, yeah. Um I just I don't even know how to be compassionate to someone, but she looks like she just needs somebody to just be compassionate. And, and if I can't, I don't know how to be compassionate, but sometimes I can just cheer. And, 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 and I can give her some com- compassion that way. But then I, I look back at her and I'm saying, well, Deandra has, she's, Lord, I'm busy. I got a lot going on. I got all these kids, and they need this stuff from me and all this stuff, but Deandra's asking for time, and she don't need a whole bunch of time. She needs a little time. So I, I, give, her, I give her time because all I need is I, I don't have to give her all of my time. I just got to give her. And I ain't been happy in a long time. But I got a little bit. give her a little bit of joy. You know, I don't, I, I didn't grow up in a house where we displayed a whole lot of love, but I, but I can show her a little bit of joy. And I be hearing Pastor Wanzel talk all the time and James gets up every Sunday and he talks about us giving and tithing offering and all this different stuff. And I don't, honestly, I, I can barely pay my bills. Let's just be honest. But I'm going to commit myself because even though I don't have it, and I know that the church wants to bless people and they want to, they want to do for people, I don't have it, but I'm going to start somewhere. And I'm just going to give something. You see, because the tithe and offering is a bit different. I give it to him so that he makes the, the, the means for her. Somebody shout something. Now, here's the, here's the thing. Once I give all of my little somethings, it just looks like I lavished her with so much stuff. But all it was is that I positioned myself to be a transfer. I didn't have much, but I gave her something. Y'all have a seat. There's some special gifts in there for you in those bags. That's everything belongs to you. You go to your seat. And the last one, and I'm going to be honest, this is probably the most difficult one, is compensation. Because to, to, to be honest with you, if I give my time, I want to see a little growth. I want to, I want to see some sort of sort of payback for my investment. 
I want to see some compensation for what I gave. I want it. Listen to me. I can I can get so low on just wanting to receive some compensation from giving. Just tell me thank you. If you would have just said thank you for what I've done, it would have been enough. But here's the thing. Because it did not start with me, it doesn't belong to me. So all of the glory belongs to him. It doesn't belong to me. So I'm just dropping it off. Oh, let's go back to our, our, our example. I'm the Uber driver. Has an Uber driver ever showed up at your house and dropped off the bag and rung the doorbell and said, hey, listen, I need you to pay me? Has that ever happened? Never, not once. Because the fact that the Uber driver is at your door, that means that the transaction has already taken place. Mm-mm. You see, the, the, the fact that you're able to give, you don't have to give me anything, baby, because I totally understand that this did not come from me. It came from him. So the transaction is already in process. He's already working in my favor. He's already moving things on my behalf. All I got to do is make sure I give it. Transfer. Something. Compensation. Here's, here's why all of this is important. I only got one point. Just one. Let's go to John 3.16. I think I got it for you. I think I got a graphic for you. <clears throat> John 3.16 says, <clears throat> excuse me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. <clears throat> For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. In Gary Chapman's book, The Five Love Languages, um, Mr. Chapman concludes that there are five emotional love languages that we will go back and forth in throughout our life. Um, or there's five ways that we will speak love and communicate love um, on an emotional level. Um, and those five uh, love languages deemed by Mr. Chapman uh, is acts of service, receiving gifts, words of affirmation, quality time, physical touch. I'll say it again. <clears throat> Five love languages, acts of service, receiving gifts, words of affirmation, quality time, physical touch. He states in the book that uh, most of us growing up will take on the love language of our parents um, as our native tongue or our primary love language. Um, so if you grew up in a house where um, words of affirmation was the primary way love was expressed uh, and love was exchanged, as you grow and develop your own relationships outside of your family, your primary love language will be words of affirmation. All is right with the world until you fall in love with someone um, who, <clears throat> whose love language is not words of affirmation, but their love language is acts of service. And you can find yourself 
um, in a relationship where um, your acts of love, of your words of love are not being heard because that's the way that I communicate love. But then at the, on the same hand, the person you're in relationship with, um, their acts of service are not being seen because that's not the way that you communicate love. I'm helping somebody's marriage today. And it is not because we don't love each other, but it's because there's a language barrier. You're just not speaking my love language. And, and, and maybe I will help your marriage a little bit today. Don't keep doubling down on what you think is love. You need to start speaking their love language. Because I could be in a relationship with someone who loves me from the moon and back and feel a, a deficit of love, even though I'm in a space that's full of love, simply because you're speaking one language and I'm speaking another. What Gary Chapman says in the book, and I quote, um, he says, the most important thing you can do in a marriage is to speak the love language of your spouse. I'm going to say it again. The most important thing you can do in a marriage is speak the love language of your spouse. He says the success of your relationships hinge upon you being able to speak the love language of the person you're in relationship with. Oh, it's great that your parents taught you the way to love and that your parents, they were in love, and that's great. But here's the thing. That may not translate over to the person that I'm in love with. If I'm in this relationship with you, I've got to figure out how you speak and how you move in love so that we can communicate back and forth to ensure that our love grows. Because if we don't speak the same love language, at some point we start grunting at each other. The relationship becomes stressed. It, it becomes a lot of pressure because I can't communicate with you and you can't communicate with me. Gary says, and I'm going to read it again, the most important thing that you can do in a marriage is to speak the love language of your spouse. Now, if my earthly relationships hinge upon me speaking the love language of the one that I'm in relationship with, then how much more important it important is it for me to speak the love language of God? Oh, Pastor Wanzo, God has a love language? Oh, you, you didn't know that this was a love relationship? Watch this. He says it. He says to John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave. Out of the abundance of love, he wanted to communicate how much he loved you, so he gave. My one and only point is this. Giving is God's love language. Giving is God's love language. I wrote this note down. In order to have a fulfilling relationship with God and one that produces fruit, you have to be a giver. Why? Because, because, listen to this, because God, who is love, is a giver. It don't get no deeper than that. This is not something God loves. This is not something that God learned. This is not something that God just does. God, who is love, love gives. So how is it that we expect to be in a relationship, a love relationship with God? Because we swear that we love God. How is it that we could be in a relationship with God and not be a giver? 
how is it that you could serenade me with such beautiful songs on a Sunday morning and tell me how much you love me and still not be a giver? How is it that you could get on your knees and, and, and pray and converse with me every morning and tell me intimate details about yourself that you would never tell anybody else and we have such a good time together, spending time together in bliss and you still not be a giver, still not speak my love language? How could you know how much I love you and how much I gave for you to be in relationship with you and still not be a giver? Listen to me. God's love language is giving. So when I don't give, how is he to translate that? Y'all, this is bigger than money. I'm talking about your heart. I'm talking about your lifestyle. He says my only language is giving. And if you love me, I'm going to give too. I remember when Tina and I first started, um, I think we were married by this time. And um, I didn't say I love you much. It was weird to me. It was. It was weird. I just, it was like I'm a dude. Like, hey. But she grew up in a house where there was a lot of conversation about love. I mean, they tell each other. I, when I met them, I was like, this is the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my life. They said, I love you all the time. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. I said, you can't mean that. You're saying I love you too much, and love is deeper than that. So when we got married, I never really said I love you. I said it you know, sparingly. I would say it every now and again, but she would always say, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. And every now and again, I said, and then she finally said to me, when are you going to communicate your love to me? Well, I just cleaned the house up. <laughs> this is marriage stuff. You should probably be talking about this stuff alone. I cleaned the house up. Because what's funny, that's how I showed my mother that I loved her. But when I got into this relationship with her, she needed verbal confirmation. And our, here's, this is the our relationship didn't change until I changed. Could it be that your relationship with God is stalling out and you don't feel the love that you think that you should feel simply because you won't speak his love language? Is the relationship getting stale? Does it feel like God isn't there anymore? Does it feel like God doesn't love you the way that he says that he loves you and the way that he's proved that he loves you simply because you won't speak the language? He's a giver. God is saying, listen, I've been communicating my love to you before you were born, and you still won't give. How is it that you sit in this atmosphere and just determine you're not going to give me praise? How, how is it that you, you, you sit in this atmosphere and determine I'm not going to give him 10% when I gave you the 100? I gave you the, I gave you the 100 to give me back 10%, but you're not going to give me 10%. How could you sit there and determine that you're not going to do that knowing how much he's given for you to be here by grace? He says, my love language is giving. God is perplexed by man. He is thoroughly confused by man because here's the thing. Man is the only thing that God has created that determines he's not going to give. Yeah. 
mandatory. I got a choice. Can, can, can we do this? Go ask the sun, can he stop giving heat? Go ask the moon, can he stop shining light? Go ask the waters, can they stop being a place for the fish to, to live? Go ask them, can they stop giving? We are the only thing of his creation to determine we're not going to give anymore. As if we have a choice. And as big as the sun is and as important it is, it knows that it has to give because I love my God. I love the one that created me. His love language is giving. Could it be that you feel a deficit of love because you won't speak the language? Stand to your feet. Thank you for streaming the latest message from Truth Movement Church. We pray that you found something in God's word that you can deposit into your heart for future use. To stay connected with our ministry, like us on Facebook or Instagram, or learn more about us by visiting www.truthmovementchurch.org.